I'm Felicia. I'm Ian. And we are the Paranormal Lovers. Hi guys. Hey guys. Welcome back to another week of the Paranormal Lovers, episode 8. And this week we have another Ian story for you. Yay. Yay! So what do you got for us this week, Ian? Okay, uh, this week we're going to Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in Tennessee. Spooky place. Fun. Evil place. Penitentiaries <laughs> tend to have that kind of reputation. Yep, they sure do. And uh, So this place is located in a place called Pentros, Tennessee. It's not uh, not far from there is the state penitentiary named Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary. Uh, some know it as the Gates of Hell. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then others call it the End of the Line because... I mean, know. if it's the Gates of Hell, I guess that's the End of the Line. Is there <laughs> like a password I should be aware of? Password. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> like knock on the door and they're like, password. Oh, I don't know. Like um, Beelzebub. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, originally, Brushy Mountain was a coal mine. Uh, also, trigger warning. Uh, I'm going to be talking about historical 1800s, so people like slavery, you know. Yeah. Lots of death. Uh, so, at the end of the Civil War, the railroad business was booming, and coal mining was very profitable. Um the way coal mining worked back then if you wanted to be a coal miner then the mining company would build you a house and then when you started they took money from your wages to pay for your housing i've heard of that there's a name for them um there are communities that are built up around like a certain company and whatever um job force it is like manufacturing or mining or whatever it had to be horrible because like the pretty much the mining company owned you yeah um bailey actually did a dark history about it i think it was the banana episode and before anybody comes at me talking about i wouldn't trust bailey sarian she has a whole team of people researching this stuff so (laughs) it's not like she's just you know being a google university graduate on instagram anyways i wish i had a team to research for me (laughs) i tell you what we'll get there someday right um but yeah they would like they take your wages but like you got like food rations or something they'd have like stores but they were owned by the company yep. so any money you did get was going back to the company that's what i was about to say the mining companies also open stores selling food clothes and supplies for the workers like pickaxes you know yep. boots um all that stuff and so like not only were they taking your wages to pay for your housing but they were taking your wages for your, f- you know, food. <laughs> yeah, like you weren't being able to go back out and put your money into the economy. Your money was just going back into the company. Right. And oftentimes they inflated the prices. Oh, yeah. Because that was the only place that they could get their food. I can imagine in the 1800s in Tennessee, this place was probably just in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like yep. you can just run over to Knoxville and <laughs> yep. grab something real quick. Oh, yeah. I remember when, I mean, not a lot of roads were as big as they are now here. Um, but anyways, uh, 
workers piled up their debt working basically i mean it just they just went into debt by working uh they often had little left from their low wages and after taking care after taking care of their families they didn't have anything um so the coal creek miners decided to do something better or to better their situation and what they would do is they would go on strike during the winter time because coal prices were higher during the winter months so the companies would work out a deal and they would hire the miners back at an increased wage mm-hmm. so that's how they started you know getting ahead to start paying off the company it's um, how you start a union <laughs> right that's it's how unions started and stuff but which really didn't happen in the south though you know i mean this is this was the south back then so it's well i mean i guess right it on depends the on kind of border I guess it depends on, like, if you consider the Mason-Dixon to be fluid depending on, you know, ge- geography or um, the demographic of the people that live in an area. Because I'd say it started kind of West Virginia with those unions for the coal mines, and it's north of the Mason-Dixon line, but not far. So the mining companies didn't like that, um, seeing as their profit was not only from the coal... Oh, yeah, yeah. But... So the mining companies decided to adopt a, a new convict lease program. Oh Jesus Christ! The private system, private which prison system. It gave them more compliant, uh, more cheaper and more compliant workforce by you know using inmates. I'm gonna tell y'all right now. I'm a big fan of Bailey. Y'all need to go listen to Dark History because she has a lot of in-depth stuff on a lot of stuff Ian's talking about in this episode. <laughs> she did a whole thing on the prison system too. So, well, the uh, the prison lease system started in the South because the state governments couldn't afford to build and maintain prisons. Um. Uh, they struggled to feed and clothe the inmates. So this system exploited the 13th Amendment also because the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, but it allowed involuntary servitude for criminal punishment. Yeah. Okay. So So what do you do when you have a bunch of black people running around? Right. See, that, and that's exactly what happened when it... Uh, when federal troops left the South in 1877, there were still many state officials that were hostile towards former slaves. So they would hand down long prison terms and life sentences, even for petty crimes. Basically making them slaves again, except yeah. in the, you know, through the, the justice system. Yeah, yeah. Um, Soon, soon black people made up the majority majority of prisoners in the South, because that's because how they. It was a the loophole. South in the eighteen hundreds, and they found the loophole, and the South that's what today. they did. <laughs> yep. Um, so Tennessee began leasing prisoners in eighteen sixty six, and in eighteen ninety one, the Coal Creek Mine was being mined by inmates from Brushy Mountain. Uh, this led to the Coal Creek War. Um, citizen miners were angry that their jobs had been taken. So they they organized an attack and burned the the state prison, uh, the stockades, and the mine itself. Um, Did people die? Oh, yeah. Lots of people died. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And uh, see, on one hand, I want to feel bad for the miners because I get that. 
Like I get having, you know, outsourcing your job somewhere else because it's cheaper. It's bullshit. It really is bullshit. At the same time, and I know a lot of people might say something about it, like how many of them were just like, yeah, it's just a bunch of black people in there. We'll just burn it to the ground. Nobody cares about them. It could have been a little of both. Yeah. They were three-fifths of a person until 20 years ago. Who cares? Like, right. <laughs> ah. Well, some of them they, uh, they, sent, they sent off out of town. Uh, what they would do is they would raid the place and then capture prisoners and guards and then put them on the next train out of town. Um, Were they like releasing them or just sending them them somewhere else? Sending them somewhere else so they could have their jobs back, basically. So they could mine the mine. Were they just like letting them free? Pretty much. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the first ticket somewhere else. (laughs) They put them on a train and sent them, you know, like I'm sure there's some people that appreciated that. um, So, there again, the mine, mining companies were not happy. Uh, they wound up sending these prisoners and guards straight back in. <laughs> Except this time, they added armed troops with it. So, and uh, so the state finally, finally realized that the cost of maintaining a standing militia undercut any kind of financial gains. Yeah. Because they were just fighting each other over and over and over and over and over. It's pointless. Like, you're not even... You don't even... It's not like it's guards for the prison. It's guards for the citizens. Yep. Who simply just want to be able to work and provide for their families. Yep. And, like... I, uh, okay. And also, at this time, the prison lease contract started to expire. So, like, they, they didn't go on forever, you know? Uh, so they were forced to try to try a different approach. Uh, this is when legislation was passed to construct the state's first maximum security prison, Brushy Mountain Penitentiary. Uh, the old wooden prison structure, as as well as a railroad spur, was built by the inmates in 1896. Of course. Um, so they forced them to build their own <laughs> prison, <laughs> which is. But they're like, you gotta build your own accommodations. I mean... It's like asking somebody to dig their own grave. Right, but at least you could build it the way you wanted it, right? Not really, no. No. No, they're not gonna let you just have free reign with it. You gotta build it to the specifications or else you're going in the hole. I wonder if they put it like secret pockets and like stuff like that in there where they could be like, I'm gonna sneak this in here. (laughs) I'm sure somebody probably did. Right. Okay, uh, there was ongoing violence still, um, deadly mining accidents, and chronic illness. Uh, Rushy Mountain earned a reputation right off the bat for not being very hospitable. Um, diseases were rampant, including tuberculosis, typhoid fever, fi- uh, pneumonia, and syphilis. Mm. Three quarters of the prisoners fell ill. Uh, not to mention if the prisoners were underproduced in the mines, they were routinely beaten and many died before they could fall ill. Um, there was no death row at Brushy, but plenty died within its walls. Uh, many inmates in the 1920s spent their days in the dark of the mines, uh, threatened with a leather whip to dig faster. The nights were not any better 
when men stack there was men stacked in the wooden building that was falling apart and ready to catch fire uh, brushy mountain housed 1,000 inmates at this time uh, far more than it originally planned on holding you said it was like 60% of it was formerly enslaved people yeah three quarters <laughs> and that just wasn't at brushy mountain that was like everywhere yeah it was it was a common thing right at that time uh, the overcrowding in this place was a very big problem though they compare it to the infamous Siberian prisons of the Soviet Union <laughs> that's pretty rough right that's that's rough and that was honestly that's common with a lot of penitentiaries that were built in like the 18 to the early 1900s piss poor quality like no wonder people scream so much about prisoners rights because it wasn't it back then yeah uh, plans were made for a more permanent structure after they, you know, got tired of the overcrowding. Uh, and it was made to build, be built from concrete. Uh, they shipped convicts over to a nearby quarry to break sandstone for the new prison. They built it in the shape of a cross and was to stand four stories high. In 1934, they also built a stone wall around Brushy. It was an 18-foot-tall uh, wall and had battlements that stood at the top of it like they needed any. Like, this place was, you know, it's in the middle of mountains. It's still pretty remote, like, looking yep. at the pictures of it. Um, 18 feet, though? At this time, Brushy seemed to get a little better. It was a little safer, more sanitary, and offered prisons redemption with Christianity. Um although mining remained the sole mission until 1960 so they were still killing people by making a mine honestly it 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 was kind of just the private prison system yeah in general they were doing that like you said across the south just leasing out prisoners and that was the game was making money by leasing out prisoners it wasn't about rehabilitation yeah in 1969, the prison reclassified as a prima primarily maximum security prison. They also added 100 beds for lesser offenders. Um, outside the walls, many of the minimum security prisoners took jobs serving the public. Uh, Brushy, Brushy became the last stop for the worst criminals. If you wore out your welcome in other prisons, or kept committing worsening crimes, you were sent to Brushy. In 1957, after shutting down the hole, which is like an isolation cell. The hole. Right. With total <laughs> darkness. I think like, most people can figure out what the hole is. Yeah. Uh, the prisoners... Let's see. Hold on, I lost my place in my notes. You're good. I was just sitting here thinking that, like, this kind of sounds like Alcatraz of the South. Yeah, kind of. Like, the it's worst a really the worst, worst go there. The worst place. Um, so, after they shut down the hole, what I say, 1957? Something like that. They built D-Block, which was to keep the worst inmates. It was just the... Deviant. Yeah, the, the worst guys. Block. That you you can't put them with nobody because like mm -hmm. they'll stab them. <laughs> um, and it D block was built atop the old death house, 
where they kept bodies of prisoners that had died from either mining or like you know when people died in the prison they put it put them there ain't no blaming this shit on the indigenous people this is 100 <laughs> percent y'all stupidity and they would they would put the prisoners at the death house um before they sent them back to the, either their families or they would bury them up on pauper's cemetery that was on the hill above the prison so there's a graveyard there as well fine yeah <laughs> Uh, the most famous of Brushy's prisoners include MLK's assassin, James Earl Ray. Um, there was also the fast food killer was there. Um, and many others. There was like a tax guy, too, that was like killing people for taxes or something. Jeez. <laughs> I didn't get to go too in-depth on the prisoners on it because I was looking at the place more. but Yeah, like... Yeah, and we're not necessarily a true crime podcast. It is interesting to learn a little backstory, but I don't need to hear about the fast food killer. <laughs> right. Um, there are many escape attempts as well. Uh, none of them got very far. Um, Where are you going to go in the back country of Tennessee? Right. It's the woods out here. <laughs> so, uh, Plus, it's I mean, it's kind of steep mountainous, so it's pretty hard place to get away from yeah uh james earl ray tried and was caught only two miles from the prison and suffered several stab wounds during the process jeez like (laughs) from the guards i guess they stabbed him a bunch with the guards yeah huh trying to because he was trying to get away but it seems excessive. I'm used it, to people beating them. But it might have been from inmates, too, though, because, like... I can imagine if you've got three-quarters of the population that right. is, like, black people, right. and you just assassinated, like, an icon of the community, yep. <laughs> you're in trouble. I mean, this place, place was really bad during that time. It was, like, boiling over with tension, you Yeah, because that's the civil rights era, so yep. you... And, in the south in tennessee dear god in tennessee and you have whites in cells and blacks in cells and they they don't yeah they're not mixing they're not you probably got like a lot of black panthers in there you probably got some clansmen in there and they they didn't separate them in the prison so you'd have like a cell of white people and then the next cell over would be a cell of black people so I mean, it was just a bad situation. So they segregated in that whole everything but place. prisons. <laughs> right, pretty much. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah. So in 1972, guards went on strike, demanding more security at Brushy. Um, so the prison closed down for four years. Um, they improved some things and reopened in 1976. Even then, the tension between white and black prisoners threatened to overwhelm an already crumbling system. Um, In 1982, things blew up. (laughs) (laughs) Seven white inmates hacked their way out of their cells and held the guards at knife point. They stole the guards' guns, found... uh, They stole the guards' guns, found four of their black rivals, and opened fire into their cells. They killed two of them and wounded the others. The prison was a bad place for 113 years. Uh, it finally closed July 11th, 2009. Uh, it stands as a part of a bloody and violent history. 
<laughs> I'd say that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, let's see. It's a very active paranormal site as well. Uh, Brushy Mountain can be visited through a tourism site. Uh, it's called tourbrushy.com. And uh, the people that visit there have seen lots of activity, including footsteps, apparitions, disembodied voices. People have been touched, shoved, scratched. Don't touch me. <laughs> Don't touch me. <laughs> um, lots of times there's loud bangs, like you hear in most yeah. all the other prison uh, paranormal videos. I guess just cell slamming. Yeah, I mean cell slamming, people yep. throwing stuff. There's unexplained shadows. Um, there's also, they, they say if you bring a cigarette and light it in one of the cells, one of the prisoners will smoke it from the beyond. Yes, <laughs> 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 one of them liked cigarettes. You know what? We'll, we'll take some cigarettes when we go and we'll give them a... <laughs> one of the stories uh, in there is one of the murals in one of the buildings... Um, they claim to see a bloody hand reaching through one of them. What the fuck? Yep. Why? <laughs> Everyone who enters the dreadful place uh, senses, you know, dread and oppression. Like, oh, you can yeah. just feel like, I don't There's know. There's so much going on yep. in that, like, that space. Like, the oppression alone. Good Lord. But... That's about all I got for Brushy Mountain. It's a crazy place. I'd like to go there and uh, and paranormal hunt it, mm. but <laughs> I'll go with you, but only during the day. Like uh, some of the YouTube videos that I watched on it were really interesting. Uh, they had like they saw shadows and they were doing you know they had some EVP interaction. Mm. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. One of one of them, girl. one of them I watched. They they lit the cigarette and like you could you see it. it burn you, down. Yeah, you could see it kind of light up for a second and then like like he was taking a puff off of right, it. Right, because they turned the lights off. <laughs> That's see that would be one thing I'd really like to see. Like that would I would be like all right, dope, dope. Also like, do you want to hit this spliff, sir? <laughs> Just saying, it's rough in here. <laughs> they they also have like a the the touring place uh does moonshine tasting because they have like a still in the bottom of it hmm. i wonder if that's where like the tennessee moonshine company is maybe i don't know i think i think it's just for like brushy mountain uh gotcha but of course they can't mine coal anymore so they got to make shine i guess yeah i mean it's a big tourism place now so. what is the irony of that because okay if anybody drinks shine has ever had moonshine before or white lightning whatever you want to call it it's not the same thing you buy at the store no it's not at no. all so i'm just sitting here like how many people went to brushy mountain because you know there were moonshine runners all up and down the Great Smoky Mountains in the Appalachia. Oh yeah, they it was wild for it back then. The moonshiners would run run it from Tennessee all the way to North Carolina and then so, back again. How many of them guys do you think got locked up in Brushy and they're probably moonshine. like rotting up there on top of that hill in that graveyard and they're down there making <laughs> shine in the basement and selling it. Now. <laughs> One, yep. they're pissed because they got locked up for doing something they're doing now. And two, they're pissed because that is not moonshine. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're like, this ain't no still popcorn Sutton's rolling in his grave nowadays, man. Yep. Uh, 
I bet he is. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, Popcorn Sutton was a local moonshining legend. Um, I will not speak ill of the dead. I won't say he was a wonderful person, but dang, man, he made some amazing white white men. Like, yeah. I never got to try any uh, popcorns, but... I, I had a friend that had a bought jar of it one time when I was like a teenager. And, you know, what else are we going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> Go out in the field and have a bonfire and drink shine. And boy, that stuff, it went down like water. Yeah. And then 15 minutes later, Real good, you try Will. and stand up <laughs> and you just fall right over. Like, <laughs> it was potent stuff. Potent stuff. I still, we should do it. We should do an episode on popcorn setting because I'm curious. I don't think he's dead. He might not be. I don't think he's dead. Might have faked it. I think he faked it. I think somebody was like, we're going to get you out of here, popcorn. Right. <laughs> They're like, no, nah, the feds ain't taking you. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-mm. So well, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, if you guys have any um, stories about Brushy Mountain or prisons like it, let us know. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tell me what you think about the story we did. Yeah, if you guys want us to cover any others, like the East State Penitentiary or anything like that, let us know on Instagram at the Paranormal Lovers. Please like and subscribe. Yeah. Or follow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah follow us on there. and um, You can listen to us, uh, you know, on Spotify, iHeart. We're on Google Podcasts, and I'm working my best to get us on Apple, but that gotta takes like weeks to get on Apple Podcasts, so... Maybe one day we'll go on a, a mobile trip and uh, do the podcast from the actual paranormal place that we're talking about. That would be fun. I keep thinking I want to do that with the Grand Old Lady Inn, or what used to be the Balsam Inn. That'd be really cool. Yeah, um, because that that place is said to be pretty active right. to this day. Nothing like super scary or uncomfortable, but yeah, it's said to be pretty active. Uh, right. That would be fun. And you guys can send us an email with a personal story or a topic suggestion to theparanormallovers at yahoo.com. And I think that's about it. All right. Well, see you guys next week. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.